hymnbook with us this morning. Uh, let's all stand page 243 in your blue hymn book. We'll do all three verses. Victory in Jesus. Let's stand and sing together this morning. I want to give you three or four prayer requests this morning. Pray for Sister Janet Creighton. 
she has fallen and hurt herself pretty badly. Pray for her. Uh, we mentioned on Wednesday night several prayer requests. Uh, Sister Jackie Turner, who sings with her daughters, pray for her. She has slipped and fallen uh, and broke a couple of vert- uh, excuse me, a couple of ribs. Uh, uh, but remember her, Sister Kyla, as she continues to recuperate. And then I mentioned Wednesday night, and uh, they've given me permission to share this prayer, especially for Sister Nancy Joyce. Uh, she's in advanced stages of Alzheimer's now, and I know they would appreciate your prayers. And then I was given one this morning, Stacy Shuck in the hospital with a bacterial infection. Lots and lots and lots of things to pray about. Uh, and then also pray for Sister Marie Hancock. She'll be going in a couple of weeks, so she thinks she doesn't know the date yet for uh, a procedure to help give her some relief from her pain. Lots of things to pray about. Let's ask God to meet with us today. Brother Biggs, uh, I want you to come and lead us to the throne. Let's join Brother Biggs this morning. Pray for us, buddy. Grace and Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to have to be in church this morning, Lord. I pray uh, and encourage each and everyone who's made the effort to be here, Lord. In sun- Sunday school this morning, uh, our teacher was telling us about the seven churches yeah. in Revelation. Yeah. And even Jesus Christ himself says he would rather have a cold church yeah. than a lukewarm church. Lord, I pray that we not be lukewarm or cold, but we'll be a hot ch- church yeah. for you, Lord. I pray that we'll be encouraged this day by the by the singing, the praying, the fellowshipping, yeah. but especially through the preaching, Lord. I pray oh, there be one here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that tomorrow may not be another day for you, that unsaved person. Lord, for those that are saved, Lord, we need to be able to step out and encourage others. And Lord, be thankful for this day we've had to be in your house. Lord, I pray for our country, our president, all of our leaders. I pray for military, Lord, the nation of Israel. Lord, but I pray specifically for all the countries across the land, but specifically this church this morning. I pray that Pastor Greg will give us the message that we need to hear, but we take it and apply it to our hearts and minds. Walk out these doors and tell others what Jesus Christ has done for us. And, Lord, let us be thankful that we're in a church that is hot for you. Lord, just guide, direct the singing this morning, Lord, and I pray you bless each and every one who's made the effort to be here. For it's in your blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you would say God's been good to you? Say amen. Well, if he's been good to you and taking care of you in the past, that's a promise he'll take care of you all the way home. You listen as Brother Scott sings, the past is a promise.
the power of his promise to me. I just go back to the moment he saved me. I just go back to every prayer he's answered for me. Yeah.
I told Noah he had to sing a solo or preach. Amen. He's going to help me with the buckets. Anyway, thank you so much for being here this morning, church. Uh, I, he's going to turn 27 shades of red now. Let's all just watch. Amen. I love embarrassing teenagers. Amen. God is so good, uh, especially when they're my own teens. But anyway, let me give you some quick announcements this morning. First of all, let me call your attention. We've got a new item in our uh, Grace Network list. We sure appreciate everybody's help in that capacity as we participate with that organization. So you help us out with that for the months of July, August, and September. Uh, we've got our displays in this uh, uh, vestibule and the side one, so you can bring those in at any time. Reminder, choir practice next Sunday uh, afternoon, 4.45. And then a couple of other quick announcements. Don't forget, if you would, please, Women's Mountain Retreat. Uh, that uh, information was given out last Sunday with Miss Billy's. You can see her if you weren't here for that. Please take the opportunity to get with her regarding that information. I'll remind you of our upcoming end of summer jubilee. We're excited by that. We've still got a bit of a question mark beside of uh, uh, the ladies' jubilee with Sister Kyla. That'll be dependent upon her health and whether or not she gets out of the uh, rehab facility in time. She says she's going to be here, so we're going to continue to trust the Lord on that. But right now, just keep a question mark on there. Let me speak to all the choir for just a second. Very important. I'm going to ask you choir members to star that day, uh, August the 4th. Uh, as I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, uh, Sister Kyla has written a song for our Christmas production, uh, specifically for us. Uh, 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 in fact, I'll just give you a little backstory on it. My son was writing the Christmas production for this year, and he got to a scene. He said, Dad, I can't find uh, a song that matches this scene. And I, I made a statement in front of my family. I said, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just get Kyla to write a song for it? Uh, uh, little did I know that my wife and my son were going to text her up and say, could you write a song about X? Uh, and sure enough, she's done it. So on that Saturday, we're going to uh, practice with the choir because on Sunday morning when they're here, we're going to debut that song. Uh, we'll let you know all about those details, the times. But if you would, choir, please star that. It'll be in the afternoon sometime, but we'll give you all those details about that. And then also uh, our dates of our Jubilee, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th with Brother Heath Williams on uh, Sunday. And then uh, CT Monday through Wednesday. We're sure looking forward to that. Continue to bring in the Operation Christmas Child stuff for July. Operation Christmas Child is our opportunity to send these shoe boxes around the world. And we're hoping to send 200 things. You've got the items there in your bulletin. Uh, and you can put all of those things in Brother Ken's outer office. And we sure appreciate it. All right, all the little ones, come make your way down now. If you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church up through 5th grade, uh, you come or 6th grade. 6th grade? 5th grade or 6th grade? You know. All right, uh, come on and make your way down if you would, please. They're going to come and correct any loose change you got. We call this our penny march.
church, junior church. Come on, make your way to my left. is my heart. I absolutely love it, love it, love it. Many, many years ago, uh, 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 a preacher friend shared this with me. He, he was trying to en encourage kids in the church and trying to bring folks in, and uh, one of the members uh, brought up a, uh, kids started coming in from every which way, and one of the members brought up a, a, uh, a hymn book that had some crayon marks on the inside of it. And uh, looked at the preacher, opened it up and said, see what's going on? And the preacher very wisely said, well, if we don't have kids, we might as well not have hymn books anyway. Because we'll shut the place down. Parents and grandparents, thank you for bringing your babies in. Uh, get them in while they're young. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So thank you so much for bringing them in today. All right, fellas, make your way down this morning. Only in a Baptist church do we follow up an offering with another offering. Amen. But this is your opportunity to worship the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Come on, Miss Connie. You get ready to sing for us today. And again, thank you for your obedience uh, to the cause of Christ. Uh, she's going to use that mic over there, buddy. I'm going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord's blessings upon this offering and upon Sister Connie. God, again, we count it a privilege, Lord, just to be in your house today. We're so thankful for a church that's got its doors open. And Lord, folks here to hungry to hear from heaven. Lord, we look around and we see just about every seat taken. We praise you for that. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless Sister Connie as she sings in Christ's name. Amen. Sing it out, Miss Connie. There's a land that is
sorrow no more. Not a sigh for the blessing of rest in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore to our bounty. Our tribute of praise and the glory, a gift of His love and the blessings that hollow our days in the sweet. shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore Love that, Connie. Wonderful. Just before uh, we have a song of fellowship, I've got a wonderful announcement to make to you. Uh, Dean, Whitney, you two stand up. Stand up. These young folks just got engaged. Amen. <laughs> Spring 2019 wedding is planned, so let's all stand together because when we fellowship and shake hands, I want you to come around and congratulate these folks. Let them know you're going to be praying for them. Let's do page 244. You don't need it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Let's all sing it together this morning. Sing with us now. Amazing grace all over the building.
with each other. Welcome our visitors out this morning. Let's shake hands together.
Thank you so much as always, congregation. Thank you so much as always. I say every Sunday, if my wife and Miss Lisa don't stop playing, we're going to be shaking hands till 3 o'clock this afternoon. My stomach will be growling by then. Josh, stand up. Stand up, Josh. Turn around and look at everybody. I thought when I put this coat on this morning, I was going to be the brightest preacher here, but I take second place. Amen. I like it, Josh. That's good. <laughs> Amen, buddy. Revelation chapter number 19 this morning. Revelation chapter number 19. I was excited to hear that upstairs in this Sunday school class, they looked at the seven churches of Asia Minor from Revelation this morning. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter number 19. And since I said Sunday school, if you're not an attendee, we'd love to invite you. Classes for all ages, two classes for adults. We've got an adult classroom up here. And then I have an adult classroom. It's a Bible study class downstairs. We invite you to be at any one of those. We'd sure love to have you. Revelation chapter number 19. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, I talked about, preached about the doctrine that we refer to as the rapture of the church. Three verses or three areas of Scripture give us that information. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, and Revelation chapter 4. This morning, what I want to look at is the flip side, if you will, of the return of the Lord. Just like every coin that you have in your pocket or your purse has two sides so too does the return of the Lord have two sides. When we talk about the rapture of the church, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, understand that that is not an event that will be witnessed by everyone. The rapture of the church is only for the bride of Christ. When we talk about the voice of the archangel, the trumpet, the shout of God, I believe that only those of us that are saved will partake or hear of that. Everyone else will be left wondering what happened to all the people. That will usher in what we know to be the tribulation period. During that seven years, the things that will happen here on planet earth begin to be described in the book of Revelation. In heaven, we will enjoy the judgment seat of Christ where we will be rewarded for our deeds done for the Lord. And then most especially and most gloriously, we will partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where the Lord himself will gird us or serve us. And as the song says, with sweet manna all around. Having been dieting for five weeks, I believe that it will be full of biscuits and gravy, sweet tea and chocolate pie. Hey, man, that's right. Carbs gone, fat removed, although fat's where the flavor's at. Somebody say, that's a whole different message. But anyway, at the end of that seven years, the Lord will return in great visibility. In great glory, the Lord will return. And in fact, ever since man first sinned in the Garden of Eden, all of history has been marching towards this one tremendous event. The moment when Jesus Christ returns to this world in power and glory and reigns upon the throne of David. It's interesting to me that at Christmas we often recite the verses that are in the Old Testament 
and some in the new that are associated with this event. You don't have to turn, but in Isaiah 9, we read of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom uh, to establish it. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That occurs when Jesus comes back uh, to set up the throne of David uh, when he returns in the air. And in fact, in Revelation twenty-two twenty, the last words we ever hear uttered of Jesus are, Surely I come quickly. When I was a youngster growing up, and I would hear preachers talk about or preach about the rapture, and then some talk about the return and that we're going to look at this morning, I would think things like, Lord, don't come until I get my driver's license. I can remember praying, Lord, don't come until I graduate from high school. And then when I fell in love with the lady that I would eventually marry and we got engaged, I can remember saying, Lord, don't come until I get married. Now that I'm having to pay for a wedding, I say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. But the reality remains, folks, of the rapture. When Jesus comes to take the jewels home like a thief in the night, no man knoweth the hour. But when the tribulation period begins, and I don't believe the church will go through the tribulation, I believe we'll be out of here. But when the tribulation period begins, that begins a seven-year clock, if you will, to what I'm going to call this morning, Here Comes the King. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 19, beginning in verse number 11. Chapter 19, verse number 11. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we are thankful for your presence this morning. Lord, if we stopped right now, we could say that today's been good to be in your house. Yet, Lord, we come to the hour, the part of the day, the part of the morning that is so critical. Not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that the rapture of the church is at any moment 
at any second of any day. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that when that begins, the bride of Christ will be ushered out of here into your presence. Lord, while we enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb, Lord, before which we will lay down our crowns and our rewards at your feet, all of planet Earth will suffer under the wine press of the fierceness of the wrath of God. Yeah, Lord, we can rejoice because at the end of that, when you come back and the armies of heaven with you, you will be coming back to set up upon the throne of David and, Lord, once again become the shepherd of humanity. So, Lord, it is my twofold desire this morning, number one, to encourage the saint of God to keep on working for there's much to be done while you still allow us to be here. And then, Lord, number two, for anyone that may not be saved today, uh, to convince them uh, that they may not have tomorrow and that today is the day and hour of their salvation. So, Lord, send the sweet spirit. Send the Holy Ghost of God to convict and do the work that the only the Holy Ghost can do. Bless the outline. Bless the message. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. The first part of the return of the Lord, that front side of the returns coin, if you will, is an event that we refer to as the rapture. That word rapture literally means to be snatched away, to be caught away. And scripture says it'll be in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. If you were here just a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the fact that the Blink of an eye is referred to as one hundredth of a second. The twinkle of an eye uh, is almost an immeasurable uh, a fraction of time. It is the smallest unit of time uh, known to scientific mankind. Uh, and just that quickly, uh, he's going to toot, we're going to scoot, and it'll all be over. But what I want to talk about today is not what we'll refer to as the rapture of the Lord, which, which is an instantaneous thing where the saved of God are out of here. But what I want to talk about today is now the return of the Lord when everybody's going to see him coming in the air. When he will come not alone, but as Scripture says, uh, with a whole host uh, of the army of God, we'll look and see who those people are. Uh, and I want you to see this morning two things. I, I, my heart skips a beat when I say that. Uh, only two points to the message today. But don't worry, you'll be here for a little while. Amen. Number one, his coming is going to be visible. His coming is going to be visible. Again, I've said it a couple of times I'll repeat one more time when the rapture takes place it will be so sudden and so swift that people will not even know what's taken place I don't believe we begin to fully understand the panic and chaos that will erupt on planet earth like a thief in the night Jesus will come and steal away the jewels uh, the rapture will not be a visible event to everybody but you listen to me carefully when Jesus comes the second time, everybody going to know it. Why, preacher? Because he is not returning this time as a lamb of God, meek and lowly. He is returning this time as the lion of Judah. 
When he came the first time, he came to be crucified. When he comes the second time, there won't be any more crucifixions. He'll be going to set up a throne on the seat of David. He returns not in humility, but he returns in power, authority, and glory. Folks have rightfully asked, Preacher, what will he look like? What is his appearance? Where there's much that we don't know, but what Scripture does give us is pretty doggone exciting. Again, much that we don't understand, but what we do understand is pretty exhilarating. Look, if you would, please, at verse 12, for it describes that when he returns, he will be full of glory. Verse 12 says, his eyes were as a flame of fire, and notice the next clause, and on his head were many crowns. On his head were many crowns. If you have a reference Bible of any sort, it likely tells you that the word that our King James translators have correctly translated as the word crowns uh, is in the original, uh, can be translated to the word diadems. You understand that there are different kinds of crowns in Scripture. Paul talks about a crown, if you will, and he's referencing the laurel leaf crown that we often associate with the Olympic Games. We often associate with someone who completes the race. Crowns would be given in ancient Greece as a way of congratulatory thanksgiving for the work that had been done. But would you listen to me? There is a big difference between a laurel leaf crown and a royal diadem. In fact, uh, royal diadems uh, are, in our perhaps uh, uh, a way of thinking, the best that we have to associate that are things like the crown jewels. Things that only kings and queens wear uh, on very ceremonious occasions. Uh, things that are locked away uh, because when you put that on your head, uh, it associates the fact uh, that you're not just a regular person. Uh, you are of royal lineage. Look at me. That's what he'll be wearing then. Why does that matter? Because I want you to understand, folks, that when he came last time, uh, he came as a lamb. He came not to set up the throne of David. He came to be crucified. And as part of that crucifixion, he was given a crown. Not one that he deserved, not one that he had to accept, but one that he willingly took on himself. A crown of thorns that would be part of the fact of him bearing the weight of my sins and yours. crown of thorns was placed upon the Lord of Lords. A crown of thorns that would pierce that precious skull. A crown of thorns that would result in blood dripping from his forehead as he would be nailed to the cross and hang there for hours and hours bearing the weight of sin upon himself. But you look at me, church. There won't be any thorns when he comes back next time. They put a crown of thorns upon him when he came the first time. But honey, when he comes back the second time, there'll be no thorns. There'll be a royal diadem. In fact, it's actually plural. I don't know how many crowns he's got, but it's going to be enough that everybody stands back and said, There comes the king. Also says in the same verse, if you'll notice the clause there that begins the verse, in verse number 12, his eyes were as flames of fire. 
His eyes were as flames of fire. Fire is always associated in Scripture with judgment. When I was a youngster growing up in church, I can remember preachers preaching about from this phrase, from this verse, uh, the Lord's coming back and man is he hot. Man is he angry. And I used to listen to that and fear and trembling would shake all over me. Uh, as I became an adult and began to study this out, I began to realize that fire is not associated with anger. Fire is associated with judgment. Fire is associated with purging. Fire is associated with God's holiness. You understand that God cannot look upon sin. That's the reason why he had to turn his back upon his own son as he bore the weight of sin upon his body because the God who is perfect cannot even look upon his son when he's bearing the weight of sin. So when Jesus comes back, he's not angry. He's not mad. He's coming back to execute judgment upon a wicked, sinful planet Earth. In fact, when he comes back, he will be so holy, so perfect, and so pure that everyone will have to step back and say, here comes the king. He returns, not in humility, but power and authority. When he came the first time, he came as the Lamb of God. But when he comes back, He's not the Lamb of God, church. He's the Lion of Judah. Notice number two. Not only his appearance, but his names. His names. Again, there's plenty that Scripture does not give us. But what it does give us is exhilarating. In fact, Scripture tells us that when Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, there will in fact be at least three names that are associated with him. Those names are described here in the verses that we just read. Verse number 12 is what I'm going to call a name of mystery. Look, if you would please, at what Scripture says in verse 12. His eyes were as flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name that no man knew but he himself. A name that no man knew but he himself. I'm going to give you something extremely deeply theological. Something that I hope you will write down and keep with you all the rest of your days. I want to tell you what that name is. Are you ready? I have no idea. And neither does anyone else. I've read volumes uh, from well-meaning and well-intentioned scholars uh, who talk about what the name could be, uh, who talk about what the name might be. Uh, but Scripture says, uh, just like no man knows the hour when Jesus will rapture the church, uh, here it says, uh, nobody knows this name but he himself. Uh, it's the name of mystery. But then there is what I'm calling a name of ministry. Look at the next verse, please. Verse 13. It's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called, say it with me, church, one, two, three, the Word of God. If verse number 12 is a name, 
of mystery that nobody knows. Verse 13 is a name of ministry, for it is called the Word of God. In other words, when humanity sees Him, when all of mankind sees him coming in the heavens with a white horse, royal diadems, everyone will say, here comes the king, but they'll also be able to say, here comes the very word of God himself. May I remind you that that is exactly what Jesus described himself as. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I'll remind you that when describing himself, uh, Jesus has always talked about the name of ministry. Uh, ever since he stepped into the scene, uh, Jesus has manifested himself uh, through the Word of God. I'll pause a moment and say, in this age of grace in which we live, in this age of the church uh, that was somehow not revealed to many of the Old Testament prophets, uh, he is now ministering through the Word of God. You understand, it's the Word of God that reveals our sins. Somebody say amen to that. It's the Word of God that points us to a redeeming Savior. It's the Word of God that tells us how to live. It's the Word of God that is a two-edged sword that corrects our path, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Jesus is ministering today through the Word of God. Mankind has tried to destroy it. Civilization has tried to deny it. The world has tried to turn its back on it. But it is still today in 2018 the best-selling book that's ever been printed, the Word of God. We'll never destroy it. Man will never shut it down. Man will never shut it off. Man will never turn it down. The Word of God is as alive today and just as powerful as it ever was. If you've ever been born again, it is because the Word of God has dwelt within you. It's the name of ministry. Verse 12, the name of mystery. Verse 13, the name of ministry. But then here's the one I really like. Verse 16, the name of majesty. The name of majesty. I watched with a bit of amusement this past weekend as Members of our presidential delegation went to England. And, and as many presidents before has done, met with, of course, the prime minister, but also with the queen and members of the royal family. I always get amused at the, and enjoyed, to be quite honest with you, the pomp and circumstance that's associated with those kinds of meetings. When I was a graduate at William & Mary in 1993, the speaker of our graduation ceremony was Prince Charles. It was the 300th anniversary of the founding of William and Mary, and so they marked that very auspicious occasion with quite a delegation that would come and speak at our graduation ceremony. We were provided with all sorts of ways that we were conduct ourselves. Uh, we were not to look them in the eye. We were not to shake hands. Uh, we were to bow this way or if you're a female, curtsy this way. Uh, on the rare occasions that you were to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with the prince. Preacher, uh, how did you manage it? I didn't go. The reality is that the ceremony was so full of pomp and so full of circumstance as it should be in situations like that. After all, if you're going to hold an audience with the king, there are ways that you should conduct yourself. Ways that you should not embarrass yourself. Why? Because you're in the presence of royalty. Notice what it says in verse 16. 
he hath on his vesture and on his thighs a name written, and I hope your King James Bible has it all capital letters, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This verse tells us that at this moment, he'll finally have the name that he's always deserved. At this moment, he'll have the name that only but a few have ever acknowledged. At this moment, when everyone looks skyward to see this return of the Lord in the air, nobody will wonder who it is. Nobody will question who it is. At that moment, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, that he's King of kings and Lord of lords. That means that... The, it's that means at that moment, uh, everyone who's ever made fun of him uh, will bow the knee and say, King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, everyone that's ever taken his name in vain uh, will at that moment uh, bow the knee uh, and shout, King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, those that have done disastrous things, uh, every Hitler, uh, every Stalin, uh, every Mussolini, uh, every Osama will have to bow and say, King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. It's the name of majesty. His return will be visible. Go to verse 14. We've talked about his appearance. Let's talk about his armies. His armies. After all, every king needs an army to accompany him into battle. Kings don't go to battle by themselves. This king is no exception. He has an army that comes with him. But this army is a little bit different than your average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill soldier squad. Look at verse 14. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. This army that comes with him for we've already read that he returns on a white stallion, a white horse. But the army that accompanies him comes on a white stallion or white horse. Most of you know this already. White in scripture always symbolizes perfection, purity. So when he comes on the white horse, it symbolizes the fact that he's pure, perfect, holy, and righteous. Yet the army that comes with him is also riding on similar attire, if you will, uh, similar uh, to what the king is riding on. Uh, that army is riding on a similar structure. You could rightfully ask, preacher, who is it? Who is the army that comes with the Lord? I think the answer is found in a comparison between the verse we just read, verse 14, where it describes uh, that they are attired or arrayed in fine linen, white and clean, now go back to verse number 8 if you would. In fact, let's go back to verse number 7. Let us same chapter, verse 7 of chapter 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and right, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Let me get this straight. 
when we start talking about the marriage supper of the lamb and the bride, the scripture says that the bride is given an attire fine and white, clean, not because she deserved it, but because of what her bridegroom did for her. Not because she earned it, not because she was worthy, but because he was worthy and he gave to her the right to wear the perfect fine linen. Described in verse number 8 is clean and white. Jump over to verse 14. Who's coming back with the bridegroom? Well, they're described as the very same attire, clothed in clean, white, fine linen. That means, church, every scholar worth his weight agrees with you on this. Who comes back with the king while the army of God is none other than the bride of Christ? That that means everybody that's ever bowed the knee on this side of heaven will be coming back. And I don't know about you. I have no earthly idea how to ride a horse. I will be bucked right off at the first time, but I'll hop right back on it again. Because when he comes, I'm a coming back with him. Amen. Amen. Clothed in fine linen. Clothed in the righteousness of the saints. Not only... You see his armies, his appearance, but notice the ar- We might not even get to point two. <laughs> Look at verse 15, his armaments. His armaments. This is the part that gets my juices flowing. When he returns to fight the battle, he doesn't bring guns. He doesn't bring tanks. He doesn't bring an artillery. He doesn't bring nuclear weapons. Preacher, if he doesn't have that, how's he going to fight? Look at verse 15. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. Wait a minute, preacher. You just said he didn't have an armament. You just said he didn't have an army. You just said he didn't have weapons, rather. That just said he had a sharp sword. Oh, but you got to go back two verses earlier in verse 13. On his name is called the Word of God. And how does Scripture describe itself as sharper than any two-edged sword? Sharper than any two-edged sword. What does all of that mean, preacher? I'm glad you asked. In just a few moments, uh, I'll show you how all the armies of the world will be gathered to one place to try and defeat this king. Uh, But he doesn't need uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, He's got the Word of God. They can bring their cannons. Uh, They can bring their artillery. Uh, They can bring their weaponry. They can even bring the the president's football where he keeps the nuclear codes. Uh, All Jesus needs to bring uh, is I am the Word. uh, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, All he's got to do is speak the Word. After all, if he spoke it and Lazarus rose from the grave, if he spoke it and the universe was created, do you think he can't speak it and defeat the armies of the world? world the word of God his armaments quickly his coming will be visible finally his coming will be victorious his coming will be victorious for the sake of time please jump down to verse number 19 for you'll see in verse number 19 all the armies of the earth will be drawn together Verse number 19, Scripture says, I saw the beast. 
and the kings of the earth. And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Should not surprise you to know that nations which today are bitter enemies will be united against him. Should not surprise you to know that nations today uh, which can barely communicate with each other out of fear and anger with each other uh, will be drawn together uh, for one common cause to make an attempt to defeat the king uh, coming in the clouds. You say, preacher, you believe that uh, as much as I believe John three sixteen. I believe it. In fact, we call it the battle of Armageddon. We read about that in Revelation 14 uh, where these armies are drawn together in that little valley that we refer to as the Valley of Armageddon, uh, a tiny, tiny piece of land. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me uh, that a little nation like Israel, uh, scarcely bigger than the state of Delaware, uh, will be central located uh, upon this earth in such a way uh, that all the nuclear armaments will be pointed in that direction, uh, the red buttons will be pointed in that direction, uh, all of the world's uh, nuclear artillery will be pointed in that one direction. Uh, they're silly enough to think that a nuclear weapon can take out a missile coming from the heavens at that moment not only will earth's armies be drawn earth's armies will be destroyed look at the next verse verse 20 the beast was taken and with him the false prophet by the way the beast is the antichrist whole separate message false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. And I don't know about you, but I could just pause right here and shout for about an hour because of this next verse or this next phrase. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Who are we talking about? Satan? The Antichrist, the false prophet that leads millions astray, at that moment uh, they will be cast into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And may I be unspiritual for just a second. Uh, I have prayed and asked God and he's given me permission. I'm going to stand there on the edge and give one final kick myself. Why? Because I'm tired of fighting with him. I'm tired of dealing with him. I'm tired of the problems he causes Christians. I'm tired of dealing with the mess he instigates. I'm tired of all the junk that the enemy does. And I cannot wait to stand on the precipice as he gets cast over and say, The reality is, folks, at that moment... There'll be a celebration in heaven like this world has never experienced. In fact, at that moment, Jesus will sit down at the throne of David. And in fact, we'll have a thousand-year party. We call it the millennial reign of Christ, where the lion... And the lamb will lay down together. Where the Garden of Eden, the incredible fellowship of God with humanity, will once again be in place. Preacher, my mind can't fathom that. Neither can mine, but honey, I believe it. When King Jesus comes to rule and reign.
again. Can I close with a simple thought that I thunk a couple of weeks ago? I don't know why I never thunk this before, but when I thunk it then, I thought I got excited. At that moment, the Lion of Judah will speak, and the roaring lion will bow, but then he'll be kicked into the fiery furnace. You see, even at that moment, when the, when the lion who roars and reigns and tries to destroy us, when even he bows, because Scripture says things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, when even he bows, I believe the Lord will say, too late, buddy, and straight over the precipice. And when that happens, everybody says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Stand to your feet with us this morning. When King Jesus comes, here comes the King. Here comes the King. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Thank you for your kind attention. I'm going to ask two simple questions, yet I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you just to move if the Lord speaks to you. If you're here today, this message has somehow excited you about the return of the Lord, yet you know that there's work to be done. Perhaps there's a loved one that you're now worried about. Oh my, they're going to miss out. Perhaps there's a family member or a friend that the Lord has put up on your heart right now and you're thinking, oh my, Lord, give them one more chance to make things right. There are folks who are already moving I want to encourage you to step out right now. Preacher, I have prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Come on and pray one more time. One more time. One more time. But I want to ask you a second question. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Is there anyone here today that would say, Pastor, I'm not sure about me. I'm not worried about a loved one. I'm not sure about me. Pray for me. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to look at me. Anyone that would be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not sure about me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Anyone else? Can I assure you this morning that Jesus loves you so much he died for you? He died so that you'll not have to experience this thing that we call the tribulation or the fiery pains of hell itself. I sure wish you'd step out. Let me take this Bible and show you how you can walk out of here today knowing for sure that you're part of that bride that comes back with him. As Brother Scott sings this just a verse, let me implore you to step out this morning. Would you come? Sing for me, Brother Scott. Come.
the chorus one more time. If you know it, sing it with him all over the church. Sing it now. Why not now? Why not now? Why not come? Why not come to Jesus now? Why not now? Why not now? Why not come to Jesus now? Let me say to you real quickly, look this way. We'll be dismissed. Fellowship, shake hands, 6 o'clock for services tonight. But if you're here today and you're walking out of here unsure of your salvation, I hope you'll grab me. Wonderful thing about being saved is you ain't got to do it at the altar. Anytime, any place, anywhere is a good time to make things right. Grab me and let me take you to the office or I'll grab a lady if you're a female. And, and you can walk out of here 100% sure that you're ready to meet him. Brother Scott, you've got the mic. Fellowship, dismiss us in prayer. Brother Scott, if you would. We'll be back tonight at 6 o'clock. Brother Scott. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful, Lord, to be in your house once again, Lord. We're thankful for the blessings that you've given us, Lord, and the prayers you've answered, Lord. And, God, we're just thankful for everyone that made their way out today, Lord. I pray that, Lord, that we receive something that would help us today, Lord, and help us on our journey. And, Lord, that those that are not saved, Lord, I pray, Lord, you continue to deal with them, Lord, until they get it right with you, Lord, and get saved. We just, we're not promised of tomorrow, and Lord, we just uh, just pray earnestly for those that would uh, that have not been saved, Lord, and God, we just pray for uh, our sick and shut-in, Lord, and our church, Lord, that's been mentioned today, Lord, we just lift them up to you, Lord, and ask you to, to please just give them a good day to do today, Lord, give them a little bit of a glimmer of hope, and Lord, to keep the faith, Lord, that you know what's going on, Lord, and you have it all under your control. Lord, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.